It's Guys Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show where where men and women can be at their best. Everyone wins. Guys Guys Radio. Did you know that more than 50% of marriages end in divorce? That's first marriages. After that, the second marriage, the odds go up to about 60% or so, maybe 65%. And for the third marriage, it goes even higher. So once you get divorced, if you get married again, you're apt to get divorced again and again. Well, imagine if you could learn how to open up your heart again, to be able to love, to be able to not live in fear of relationships and those frightening statistics. Well, we've got a great guest for you. Dr. Gary Sowler, PhD, is going to be here to discuss his book, Safe to Love Again, How to Release the Pain of Past Relationships and Create the Love You Deserve. We also have a relationship coach from Queens, New York, a fellow by the name of Daniel Amos, and he's going to talk to us about his tips and three questions that guys kind of need to ask themselves about how to best manage their relationships with women and how to respect women. So looking forward to a great show here on Guys Guys Radio. Let me uh, just take a moment to talk to you about something a little bit different. Um, I just read yesterday that uh, Jim Bowden, the pitcher for the New York Yankees, I remember number 56 when he pitched, his hat always used to fall off for some reason. He wrote the book Ball Four, which was ranked the number three all-time great sports book. I want to tell you a little story about Jim Bowden and about my experience with Jim Bowden because uh, it, it, was a, it, it, made, it meant a lot to me. So let me tell you a little bit about what happened. I was in 10th grade when I first read Jim Bowden's Ball Four, and it changed baseball, and it changed my life. By the time I finished this amazing first chapter in this book, it was really a great book, I was hooked, and I was determined to write. During my junior year in high school, I wrote a 57-page mini-book. I called it Off the Bench, and it was about our high school baseball team. I was thrilled when our English teacher, a guy by the name of Cosmo Ferrara, he read it and began discussing it in class, and then word got around the campus, and although the coaches were not thrilled by my truths, uh, I saw my path. But you know how it goes. Life got in the way. I went to college, then I got an MBA at night while navigating a high-pressure roller coaster marketing adver- advertising career in New York City. But about 20 years later, one summer day, I remembered I was walking across the street it's 6th Avenue, and a voice inside told me that it's time to follow my path again. Fast forward 18 months later, I finished writing my first full-length novel. It was called The Space I'm In. It was about a startup around the year 2000. When I finished the book, I contacted Jim Bowden. I found his address, his email address, and I wrote to him just to thank him for inspiring me and to ask him his advice for getting published. And even though I was... A Foolishly, I pointed out that I found a couple of typos in his latest book. He generously pointed me to his agent, who, who did not buy the book. He ultimately rejected it. But that's okay, because I got rejected by about 99 other uh, agents. But you know what? There was a silver lining. I had written my first book, and I learned how to tell a story, and I was determined. So I wrote a second book. It's called The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love, and it got published. And the week the book came out, uh, the New York Post ran a two-page feature spread about it and about me. I was so inspired, I wrote a scripted TV series and a feature screenplay adaptation of the book with a buddy of mine named Steve Armour. We had a blast in Hollywood pitching both 
And Steve now has gone on to become a very successful screenwriter. He's got some major credits. He's out in Hollywood. I went back to New York to continue my advertising career. So I built a website around the book and my blog, and I started uh, blogging in my spare time, just like the main character in my novel. And then one day I said, you know what, I want to do a podcast. And this was about six years ago. And the first guest on my show was a buddy of mine, Brad Zimmerman, from high school, who's a comedian. And from there, I did about 340 podcasts of Guys Guys Radio. And I was eventually offered a, a spot on NBC's KCAA radio right here in Southern California, even though I'm still recording the show in New York City. But I will be out in Southern California soon, this year for sure. Well, last month, the show got picked up by iHeartRadio, Spotify, along with iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, Block Talk Radio, TuneIn Radio, and all the other stream streaming outlets. We reach a potential audience now of Guys Guys Radio of about 45 million people. Last month, uh, you may have heard, I interviewed Neil Donald Walsh, who, who's one of my personal heroes. He's the author of uh, Conversations with God. He's also one of the world's foremost spiritual messengers. Uh, right now, I'm working on two new books. Uh, they're both nonfiction. One is a diet book and one is about uh, kind of an advice book. Let's put it, self-help book. And I just landed for Guys Guys Radio. We're going to have John Gray on very soon, the author of Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. So I'm thrilled. And make no mistake about it, folks. Dreams can come true. You've got to do the work. You've got to believe in yourself. Ask for help. You know, the universe is always listening and it wants to help you and also show gratitude. Now, as our family is working out the details of our move to Southern California to continue the work that began when I read that memorable first sentence of Ball Four, um, and so it's so special. You know, the other day I was cleaning out some things as part of the move, and in a box of books I stumbled across my hardcover signed copy of Ball Four. I even thought about selling it. But a few days later, I learned that Jim Bouton had passed. And truth be told, you know, as I'm telling you this, I'm really, it's emotional to me inside because it's just, he, he was a special person in my life, even though I really didn't know him, but he was helpful to me and an inspiration. So I'd like to say to Jim Bouton, thank you for your books, your inspiration to a young man who loved baseball and wanted to be a writer, and for your kindness. Rest in peace, number 56 of the New York Yankees, Jim Bouton. So he's one of those people where I don't have a lot of heroes, but he was a hero to me because he took on Major League Baseball and he wrote about what was really going on behind the scenes in the locker room at night, on the road trips. And now that stuff is so commonplace, but at the time he was vilified. And uh, they really put him through the ringer. And even though he was a very good pitcher, he was not allowed back to Yankee Stadium to, uh, to do uh, Old Timers Day until uh, about, I don't know, uh, 1998, something like that. So, but you've got to hang in there and you've got to do what you're true. You've got to follow your truth. You've got to follow your path. So, that's my story about Jim Bowden and uh, about making dreams come true. So, this is Guys Guys Radio, your host, Robert Manny. I hope you enjoy the show and bring our first guest on. Special guest is Dr. Gary D. Salyer. PhD, and he's written a terrific book called Safe to Love Again, How to Release the Pain of Past Relationships and Create the Love You Deserve. And it's a question I'm sure a lot of us ask ourselves because, you know, it's so hard to find that, that special soulmate. And when you have 50% of people out there who are still single and, and the divorce rate is like 50%, you know, I, our culture uh, 
has a uh, major wrestling match going on in terms of uh, the love, what love is, what relationships are, how to make them successful, how to connect with people. And I don't know if we're overcomplicating things or we're thinking too much or we're not thinking enough or we're thinking with our brain instead of using our heart and our consciousness too much. I, I don't know. So I want to get some experts on the show. So I've got Dr. Salyer here, and he's going to tell us about the book. Once again, the name is Safe to Love Again. So welcome to the show, Dr. Gary. Thank you, Robert, and thank you for having me here. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. And it's, uh, you know, it's great that you come right out with your, at the beginning of the book and say you had some problems with relationships. And uh, you had taken a test, I believe, um, psychologist tested you and told you that you were uh, apt, 90 percentile apt to be divorced. And sure enough, you had uh, at least one divorce. So what happened to you and how did you come around to get the insights to decide I've got to put a book together to help people? Well, <clears throat> the, the kind of short answer is this all started in, when I was seven and I noticed all these alcoholic uncles and aunts couldn't love each other, and I swore I'd never be divorced. Went to college, got two degrees, two majors, psychology and religion, to say I will never be divorced. And when this guy calls me in his my senior year, and at the very end, he just goes, oh, after giving me all these results, you have a 90% chance of having a divorce. Like, you know, go, you know, like it was coffee for the morning or something. And I won a fifth year. Mm -hmm. To get another degree in marriage and family, it freaked me out. Cause, and then 12 years later, my first wife asked me for a divorce. And I'm go I don't get it. I did everything I could. So then I buckled down and I do seven and a half years of therapy. Pronounce myself good to go. And then a second marriage goes. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> and I'm going, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I've done everything humanly imaginable. I start dating, and that's when I began to notice that as much as good as therapy had done me, it had me managing my pain versus changing my core style of picking my partners and how I related. And the day I realized that the same patterns were always there, nothing had truly changed from degrees or therapy, and that I was now showing up as Mr. Wrong, too. That was the day I said, if they can't crack the code, then I will, because nobody should work this hard to have a lasting love and have these sorts of results. And that's so when I do. What'd you do? Oh, I did. I rededicated myself. I, I started doing the deep work and I had a good idea of what would work or not work from my own experience, started working with clients. And my only goal was, did this change their what's called an attachment style? You know, mm -hmm. their core way of relating. And therapists will tell you, many of them, you can't change that, but you can. And as, as a result of that, I began to notice what worked and what didn't work. Not only for me, but for my clients. Did more research. And when I finally knew what it was, these four core feelings I talk about, these rights, that if we change those, everything else changes. That's when I wrote the book. All right. Let's take it. But before we get to those rights, let's take a half a step back and look at the and a couple steps up and say, okay, macro-wise, what do you see going on in our culture today where the, the, the connecting is so difficult for people, where you've got everybody's busy, uh, it's, it's easier in some ways to date than ever, yet it's become so business-like that it's almost like job interviews where you know we have technology, 
if you're a guy, you can sit at, it's never been a better time to be a guy if you want to get dates, in my opinion. You can sit at home in your tidy whities and you can meet beautiful women online. Whereas in the past, you'd have to step up to them in the bar or the gym, hi, my name is Lou or whatever, and strike up a conversation. Those, those actions to me actually helped men become uh, comfortable in their own skin and have some confidence. Nowadays, you can kind of hide behind the keyboard, but you have the reach now and you reach a lot of people that you never would have time to reach um, you know, in the physical offline world. So talk to us a little bit about the macro picture, what's going on, how technology has affected things. I'm going to throw a third question on top of that, and that is what's the challenge uh, that men are under right now? Okay, so the real thing here is there's an epidemic of, unworth, of unworthiness out there. Uh, even though it's easy to go online and, and find uh, people to date, particularly mm-hmm. women if you're a man, um, there's also heightened expectations. <laughs> we know that, you know. Uh, look at those lists. You know, are you six foot two? Do you have six pack abs? Do you have six figures? Oh, and have you read Dostoevsky? Have you, do you do Pilates? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know uh, uh, these things create, you look at that and you go, which one of us measures up to these long list of these, you know, these bucket lists is what they seem right. like. And maybe we can flip it, Gary, to uh, the women, too, have the same issue where it's like, you know, are you built like an Instagram model? And then are you how smart are you and how much, you know, weight do you pull at your your job or whatever? Can you do it all? And they need the six pack abs now also. But I I interrupt. Oh, no, it's true. There's been some studies that show that 85 percent of women have real low Mm self-esteem and just the, the way the and technology has an interesting thing. Uh, it kind of has an avoidant quality to, to it. It invites a distancing factor where people can go off and ghost you, you know, and there's always the fear of missing out. You can find someone really great. I, and I had one client in five straight times, she'd get to the two or three month period, start falling in love, and suddenly, baby, there may be someone better out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had guys tell me the worst part of the date is the first date is if a half hour into it, the woman goes to the bathroom and he's afraid she's on there looking at her Tinder to see if there's someone she'd rather be with right that moment. Mm-hmm. What does that do for our self-esteem? What does that do for feeling worthy of love? It gives mm-hmm. all of us this feeling of unworthy and then we want to reach back. And then we start ghosting just to keep the pain away. And then we've got a cycle of unworthiness creating more patterns that create more unworthiness. And it's a bad deal. Is this, uh, doctor, uh, a, a, an issue that's based on what's currently happening in our culture, or has this been exasperated by what's happening in our culture? And it's always been there, but now it's become more and more prominent because everything's been dialed up. I think it's exasperated. I think it's dialed it up. Uh, I think there's always been some of this. Uh, you know, uh, from time immemorial, we know that, you know, like I, I saw some archaeology thing and the archaeologist said, what is this? It was from 1000 B.C. And I know because goes, oh, it's eyelash. <laughs> it's how you put on eyelash stuff. You know, um, women have always known they have to feel they have to uh, look good. Men have always known they had to be providers. Everybody has known that the better looking get, you know, a better picks. Mm-hmm. That's always been there. That's in that's bone deep in the species. But when you take technology and you give people this maximum choice, um, 
we get this myth that there's just always someone better out there rather than loving somebody for who they are. And none of us then for feel love for who we are. Okay. We're always afraid someone's going to, you know, uh, so, one of us. So it sounds like then the step one, and I don't want to get in the way of your book's process. I want you to talk to us uh, about the book, what it's really about and how it can help people. But it sounds like loving yourself, this low self-esteem is a, a, an epidemic nowadays. I don't know if it's partially media driven or whatever, but everybody feels that they're lacking in some way. And um, step one, it's hard to love somebody else if you can't love yourself. And I'll, I'll throw one more on top of that. And that is, you know, for myself, I was online dating. I, like you had mentioned, you got blindsided by your first wife. And I think a lot of guys get blindsided thinking and dumped because they think, oh, I've been doing everything I should be doing. And they, maybe they weren't paying attention close enough. And, uh, and they get dumped, and it's always a big surprise. And I found that I had some success uh, dating online, and I was very comfortable. And then I realized uh, that what I really needed to do to make a connection beyond getting first dates, if you will, which you talk about in the book, is I needed to uh, make room in my heart for somebody else. And... Uh, I don't know why I got that epiphany or whatever, but as soon as I did that, everything changed. So I know I threw a lot of stuff at you. Could you just talk about all of that? Because I think this is something that our listeners are going through and everybody in some way wonders, like, why, why did I get blindsided and dumped if I'm a guy? Why, why did I feel like I was not enough? How, how do I go from first day to a real connection, which as you talk about in the book, people really want to do. And I just threw my own personal thing about, I had to make room for somebody else. I don't know if that's a, a universal thing, but that helped me. Making room for somebody else is, <clears throat> is critical. So many times we fill it with ourselves because we think we have to do it all ourselves. Men especially, the Marlboro man. <laughs> we, we're out there on that rock by ourselves, man. Well, that's not how great partnerships are created. Great partnerships are created with a we. <laughs> mm -hmm. And women want that we. Uh, so when we bring that attitude, and I did in my first marriage to a great extent, I did not realize how much I had learned it was better to separate than to belong in my childhood. My mother was borderline personality disorder. You didn't want to belong to that we. You could get knocked against the log within that we. And the part of me, so I, I gave my wife all that I had except for what she really needed, which was closeness. And I did not see that the very thing that she needed was the one thing I had been trained would be, would be unsafe, and that is to truly be close. There was always some part of me that kept distance, and she would tell me I'd feel lonely, and I couldn't figure it out because some part of me had associated distance with safety in a relationship, and that didn't work. So I did give her everything I had, but everything but what she really needed, which was closest, which tells me if you want a close relationship with a woman, we men have to get more attuned to our feelings and their feelings uh, and to make that a priority. If you want to connect with a woman as a man, you have to get really interested and not dismiss their feelings. I did that far too often in my first marriage, and I mm -hmm. paid the price for it.
No, that's very that's that's very insightful. You know, I went out with my wife. Uh, uh, my once I opened up my heart to have space for somebody else. Of course, I I met her right away. We went on a match date, and I learned um, about breaking rules. Um, I had my whole little system about you know you talk on the phone and then you go out once for coffee or whatever after you had the initial uh, you know email or text or whatever. And uh, so I said we should have a phone call, and she said no 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 let's just meet. And I'm like, really? She goes, yeah. And I found out that she had just gone on Match.com for a three-day free trial. And I turned out to be the only person she met. <laughs> she met. So we went out. I said, you know what? I made up these rules. But these are rules I made up. Break the rules. Follow you know, my heart and intuition. I met her. And then we had a great time. So we went out a couple more times. And I'm like, you know, I know I've made mistakes in other relationships. What do I need to do to make this successful? And she said, pay attention. And I'm like, is that it? She goes, yeah, that's it. So I know that's true, doctor. So talk to us about that, Gary. Well, okay. The biggest thing in all couples is it's something called bids. Bids for attention. Okay. Bids for support. Uh, it, you can track, a, if you people sit down, especially a couple, uh, it can be 200 in an hour over dinner. <laughs> these, mm-hmm. are me, these are things happen all day long. We don't even know them. They're, they're happening. And really good couples that are lasting respond toward in an attuned way 86% of the time. Now, the disasters, the ones that don't make it or the breakup, or well, they, they respond in an attuned way 33% of the time. And that's as simple as, honey, look at that bird over there. And you go, mm-hmm. and you're looking at your cell phone. That's a turn, that's, you know, that's a turn away, right? Or you could go, yeah, but. What's so big and important about that? That's a turn against. Or you could say, isn't that beautiful, Bird? What do you find beautiful about it? Now, that's a great bid back. Those, that's what's paying attention is listening for the bid and what do they need on their map, not my map. Give them what they need. Right. A lot and give what we have, what we right, think. Right, exactly. That doesn't work for most women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, also, the other thing I found that just from interviewing so many people and a lot of them dating experts and I get completely different information from the male versus the female uh, dating and relationship experts in, in some ways. But one thing I hear that uh, is consistent with all the women dating experts who deal with women clients, they say the women want men to be men in the best sense of the way. So they don't want to be old school chauvinistic like you're in the bedroom or the kitchen. They want men to be men, though. They do want the provider. They do want somebody who's kind of makes them feel secure. Uh, they do want the we and not not the me. So it's a uh, you know it's a it's it's a it's a skill that's not that easy for guys to teach themselves, if you will. And this beyond books and teachers like you, there's not that many outlets for guys to really kind of get their game together because they're dealing with so much time in isolation, whether it's at work looking at a computer screen or trying to meet women online using the computer, that how do they really become, you know, in our society, the intimacy is, is, is like a lost art. So talk to us about that. Intimacy is a lost art out there. You know, I often think we should have that in our curriculums in college and before that mm-hmm. relationships. Now, the biggest thing here is to track what feelings are we giving each other. This is really foreign territory. You and I both know in that locker room, we were not allowed to have our feelings, right? Uh, What's the thing that men say to each other? No problem. No problem. Well, it is. You know, the key to, to intimacy is to track these four feelings I talk about. Are we making them feeling welcome with joy? Good morning, gorgeous. You know, come over here. It looks like you need a hug. It looks like you had a bad day, right? Worthy and nourished. 
you know, you're noticing what they really need on their map and you're finding ways to meet that. Cherished and protected is where you create a we and you're going to have their back. You're interested in their dreams and then empower them with choice. Now, that is sharing influence. Now, to get back to your point about, you know, we are asked to be masculine, yes, and protective, but we must also share influence. There's a strange statistic that 82% of the time that men don't share influence in a relationship, they are divorced. So it's important to lead while listening as well and to share that leadership. They may be better at finances than you, and some women are. You know, uh, they may be better at something else. It's okay to create a we. So it's important to notice how those feelings, if you can track how you're giving them and receiving them, those four feelings, I guarantee you the relation, you'll be doing far better in a relationship because all intimacy needs those four. I mean, how many people want to be intimate with someone that doesn't come them with joy? <laughs> okay. Great. You mentioned also, um, different love styles. Um, so talk to us a little bit about that. And also, I want you to take a moment because I've kind of just thrown a lot of questions at you. Big picture, what's the book really about? What will consumers, what do you want the readers to get out of it? And then, you know, get into the, some more of these specifics like uh, like the uh, love styles and the uh, attachment theories, things like that. I think after speaking across the country, and hearing multiple cultures across the country and multiple age groups, I realized that most people have lost their GPS for what love feels like. And if you know what love feels like, how can you pick a loving partner? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how can you keep a, a loving relationship? I wrote the book so that people could rediscover what it means to feel loved again. So they had a GPS that actually could lead them to Mr. and Ms. Right instead of Mr. and Ms. Wrong. And if they're in a relationship, they can find out what's going wrong and they could fix it so it could be lasting. Above all things, I wanted everybody to be able to find, pick, and create, and keep a lasting love. So that's why I wrote the book. And in terms of attachment styles, you're right. 50% of the population are secure out there. That We know from the time uh, there's these three love styles that track from the time babies are one year old. We know from one year old what their style relating is going to be. That's young. And the only thing up and running is feelings at that time based on how they feel about their interactions with mom and dad. They are either secure. It means they're comfortable depending and being dependent on loving and being loved. They calm down easily if somebody goes, if mom goes away or dad goes away. Then they're the anxious and the, and the avoidance. They're the other 50% of our population. <clears throat> the anxious, love was here and there, here and there, here. And somebody says, I'm going to lock that down. And they get anxious. Where were you last night? Why didn't you text me? And the drama they create trying to lock love down usually drives people away. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the avoidance who are who checked out, they're emotionally dismissive. They don't, they're not comfortable depending or being depended on. They become Mr. and Ms. Unavailable or, you know, the dismissive type. And now those, and the, the worst part of it is the secure usually marry the secure, leaving the, the anxious and the avoidance to pair up and they're worst, and they're the worst nightmare for each other. So it's, if we can give everybody back a true feeling of what it is, what they're picking and choosing they will be able to restore that original lost compass. And then they can start choosing and finding real love again instead of this menagerie of hopelessness that we see out there online. 
Great answer. Um, who do you think has the bigger challenges nowadays, uh, doctor? Is it the, the men and, and the women? I always think that like, you know, today you've got women are on a pretty straight trajectory towards getting long overdue recognition for the wonderful things they've been doing and are doing, and they're moving ahead and it's great. And it's just beginning as we shift kind of from patriarchal to a matriarchal back to a matriarchal society. And for a lot of guys, that's very disconcerting because they don't know what's expected of them in terms of, well, am I supposed to be macho and I, am I supposed to be this? I'm supposed to be a man, but then I'm not supposed, I'm supposed to have feelings. And, it, and, and guys don't really talk to each other about this stuff too much, as you had mentioned. So it sounds like I'm, I'm leading with, you know, it's tougher for guys, but I don't know. Maybe it's tougher for women because guys are so uh, dysfunctional nowadays in some ways. Well, I mean, most of my clientele are women, and they're pretty frustrated. <laughs> right. They are, you know, now, it's, I also have male clients, and it's frustrating for them, too, because the male role is changing. You know, let me tell you, you know, back in the day of Hunter, we didn't want all of our feelings, because you don't want your feelings when the aardvark is trying to get you, or whatever. It is. So, but, and women were always together, and they have these, you know, they have brain uh, emotional processor on both sides of their brains. We only have one. And they were always in women's culture. So they had lots of emotional feedback that their brain needs. Then we put, then we did the nuclear family thing, strip women of their emotional support system and put them with a guy who doesn't have any feelings or won't share his <laughs> feelings and find out what happens when you put this. And she feels like she's an emotional desert. I have a really good friend who's an organizational psychologist. She goes to work. She's there fighting off the wolves. She goes, it's a, it's a, it's a wolf's den up there at the, at the sea level stuff, right? And she goes, and I come home and I've had no contact. I dearly need some girl time. And her husband, you know, who is a psychologist, and she walks in the door. She goes, I need some girl time. There are no girls around, but there he stands. <laughs> right. He needs to give her feelings, listen to her feelings. And we that's the one thing we were stripped of. We were told was used. And that's the one thing we have to recover. I find that, we, you know, we have our feelings. We men will say, uh, you know, we will jump any mountain. You know, we will cross any river. Oh, but we will not feel any feelings. It's like the feelings are the are the fire-breathing dragons. And they're not. They're just feelings. We can handle them. And it's good to be able to listen. If we can make that change from the, 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 from the man that shouldn't share his feelings to the one that can really be attentive, we're going to have a lot of happy women. Good. All right, it's Guys Guys Radio. Uh, Robert Manny, your host. Our special guest is Gary D. Salyer, PhD. The name of the book is Safe to Love Again, How to Release the Pain of Past Relationships and Create the Love You Deserve. Um, doctor, what would be your one piece excuse me, of advice that you would give to the men, listeners out there, and the ladies in terms of what are a good first step each of them can take to kind of uh, just become safe to love again? The biggest thing that I said earlier is that there's an epidemic of, of unworthiness out there. And the biggest thing that I wrote the book is so people know they are worthy of love. They were born worthy. They, they have rights for love that they're born with. And to know that no matter what has happened, how many divorces, because we all know that that does a number on you, or how many times you've been ghosted, that this is not about you. You have a right to feel worthy 
and you deserve a lasting love. Don't let anybody tell you any differently. And to know that real hope exists. The brain, once you have enough pain, starts deleting possibilities to protect you. And you start saying, oh, there's no good men out there. There's no good women out there. But that's the brain trying to keep you out of a relationship so you don't get hurt again. So hopelessness is is the residue of Mm -hmm. unworthiness. And to realize that there are lots of possibilities if we open our eyes and open our hearts. And to find out what part of you pulled back, doesn't feel safe, and to realize what you really need to feel safe in a relationship and only choose and pick that. So it's about worthiness and knowing that real hope exists if you can just do some inner work. And you don't have to keep picking Mr. and Ms. Wrong over and over again. That was the other thing I wrote the book for, so people can understand why there's a Groundhog Day in their life and how to get out of it to have the lasting love they deserve. And it is doable change. And you deserve it. That's a great. That's a great point. And there is some. Uh, you know, we talk a lot in the book about the brain, and you know, there's not a lot about romance because it's really not about romance in the book. But there are some spiritual insights towards the latter half of the book that I think are very helpful about getting in touch with your higher self and really using that to give you some guidance. Because you know, the truth is there. It's just a. a it's a matter of all of us finding our truth. You know, there's nothing that needs to be created. It's there. It's just we have to find it. And uh, sometimes that can be very challenging. So great job, Dr. uh, Salyer, and uh, really enjoyed the book. I think you're doing fantastic work, a real service. Um, So tell everybody where they can find the book, more about you, working with you, et cetera. Okay. So the book is on Amazon at the moment. There's also a link on my website. Uh, You can find me at www.garysalyer.com, S-A-L-Y-E-R. You can sign up for some short video clips of our previews of the book called Love Notes. You can reach out to me if you ever want to talk to me or have questions, but GarySalyer.com is where you can reach me. Books on Amazon. Okay, fantastic. Say, doctor, you're a guy's guy. You're really helping out. So thank you so much for being on Guys Guys Radio, and thank you for the work you're doing, and keep, keep up the good work. There's never been a better time for men to be whoever they want to be, yet it's never been less clear who men really are. Guys Guy Radio, starring author Robert Manny, is on KCAA every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Whether it's relationships, sex, wellness, or spirituality, join Robert as he interviews the experts about how men and women can be at their best. Guys Guy Radio, better men, better world. Let me tell you about our guest, Daniel Amos. Um, he is, very succinctly, a personal relationship trainer, which I love that title. And he works with men and women and helps them get their love lives in shape. He's also a transformational coach, a motivational speaker, and an author. He has a book called Unbreakable Love. It's a short book, but it, uh, it gets right to the point, as, uh, as Daniel does with, uh, in, in his work style and in his communication style, which I appreciate. So welcome to the show, Daniel Amos. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we talked a couple of years ago, and I want to get you back. So thanks for reaching out. So let's start right at the beginning, Daniel, if I may. What's your sense as a dating uh, coach and trainer as to what's going on in the uh, relationships area today? Things change and things stay the Mm -hmm. same. What's your sense in terms of like right now, mid-2019, what's going on in the dating game? Wow. There's so much going on, and... uh, 
uh, I'm I'm sure. Although you know, I may not be too sure, but I would need to ask you if you're familiar with what's going on in the media world right now when it comes to relationships. So we have, for example, Aisha Curry. Right, mm-hmm. I'm a huge Warriors fan. Okay. So when the information that came out about Aisha Curry, uh, essentially wanting attention. That really stood out to me because uh, basically what she was saying when she spoke to Jada Pinkett at her uh, Red Table Talk session mm-hmm. that it's essentially unfair that her husband gets a lot of attention from women. And it would be nice if she mm-hmm. could get some attention from men, right? <laughs> so here's the deal. And this this is what a lot of guys need to know. And this is what I was going to get into a little bit or touch on a little bit. Usually when women reach a certain age, they start looking for that attention from men. When they're about 20 to about 25 years of age is when they are receiving the most attention from men. Uh What's ironic is that Aisha Curry put out a tweet in 2011. She said, oh, why can't guys just see that I'm a married woman? Why do they keep approaching me while I'm at the gas station or going to the store? Things of that nature. Sheesh, Mm -hmm. can they leave a woman alone? Now she's craving attention. So I find that interesting. Why do you you think that is, Daniel? Well, I think that... uh, Typically, what happens is that when women, and this is generally speaking, when they reach a certain point in their life uh, past the age of 30, in their mind, they essentially believe that they hit some sort of barrier to where they're not as competitive in the sexual marketplace as when they were younger. So a lot of guys would tend to go for the hotter, the younger, the thinner type of woman, typically speaking, than someone who's a little bit older. So and, and those women in general tend to feel less competitive uh, in, in that realm as well, because they're, they look at themselves like I'm not how I used to be at mm-hmm. 20 or 25. I'm not getting as much approaches. And here's the thing on that as well. A lot of men respect Steph Curry. They respect them. This is why she wasn't getting the approaches. But now, since she invited that sort of energy into her life, she's getting a lot of uh, attention from Mm -hmm. men and attention from men that she don't want. Right. That's that's an interesting problem, ironic. And I think we want to be careful, and you'd agree with me, Daniel, that we're not saying that, you know, would, you know, just, we're just throwing out a statement there, your statement about, you know, at the age of 30, sometimes women, um, you know, they start to feel like, well, I'm not getting it the same way, the attention that I had gotten in the past. And, you know, the, 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 the blame is not with, I don't think is with women there. It's a lot of guys. And I know a lot of guys, I'm a boomer and I know a lot of guys who are single now and they want to go out with 25 year olds. They're like in their fifties and they want to go out with 25 year olds. And it's, right. uh, they don't, in my opinion, I don't know about what you think, but mm-hmm. they don't know what they're missing because to <laughs> me, a woman really becomes uh, a yes. woman, she hits 30 and then 40 and it's like, kaboom, you and know, they're fantastic and they're worldly and they have some success and they have some right. money and they're cool to be around and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. they're like uh, your your partner and it's, to me, it's a lot more fun where if you, you're going to date 
ladies, and you can be really sharp in your 20s, whatever. Mm -hmm. It depends on your life experience. You know, some people say like, oh, you know, models, they're not smart or anything. Well, you know what? The models who get, you know, they travel around the world and and are in certain circles, they're going to get a a very good education that many people are not going to get. So you can't make a statement about them. But overall, I think the the problem lies with a a lot of guys who are, I'm going to say shallow, who don't uh, appreciate uh, the how women can really mature in a really wonderful way right. uh, once they hit the age of 30. And and that's what I was going to get into as well, because I wanted to share that there are a lot of guys that tend to go for the younger type of women. Uh, and this is across the board, uh, whether they're younger or older, they tend to go for the younger woman. But typically speaking, women do mature. They do grow into themselves. Once they reach the age of 30, and that's what I wanted to point out, Mm -hmm. the problem lies in also the fact that um, there are a lot of mismatches when it comes to what women want and what men want at certain ages. Mm -hmm. So this is is why there's a problem in the majority of relationships that are occurring now. You wanted to talk, one of the things you wanted to talk about was that uh, three things that guys need to know about women. So right. why don't we go right to that? So, because a lot of guys are, you know, nowadays it's, uh, let me just set this up. You know, a lot of guys, mm-hmm. I come from a generation where you had to go in the bar and walk up to somebody and say, hi, my name is Lou. Can I buy you a drink or something that you had to like, put yourself out there. That's the right. point. You can't, it wasn't, this was before you're sitting at home and you're tidy whities and you're swiping left and swiping right. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, it, 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 what the, the good thing is, it it made guys kind of put themselves out there and have have some uh, uh, develop their game. I think a little bit differently mm-hmm. because you were forced to, or you're not going to get anywhere. This was even before you know cell phones were super prevalent, um, right. and, and it's and it's easy to adapt. So tell us a little bit about you know how how things happen and what what guys can do to uh, you know to uh, to make things work for them when we're in an age of, uh, you know, it's so easy to fall back onto technology. Yeah, and it's interesting that you bring up that point because a lot of men, a lot of women, everyone in general tend to be on their phone. They'd rather be on their phone than actually approach the person that they're interested in. Mm -hmm. But this brings me to my first point, actually. Um, And this is something that has been a problem for, I would say, generations. Uh, The fact that Pickup lines do not work. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason why I say that is because a few weeks ago, I was, uh, I was outside, I was walking down the street, and there was this guy that was walking ahead of me. And a few steps away from him, there was a woman who was walking ahead of him. And he decided to approach her. And he said, excuse me, miss, how are you doing today? Which was okay. Yeah. She said, I'm fine. Thank you. And he said, I know you're fine, but how are you doing today? Uh, Oh, you know, he got his foot in the door and then he screwed up. You know, just couldn't help himself. You know what, Daniel? You know what? uh, Let's, okay. So I want you to get to those three points, but let let me just throw an aside in there. You know, Mm -hmm. it's so tough nowadays. You know, I was saying, like, we had to put our back in the day, you had to put yourself out there. You have to go in the bar, walk across, introduce yourself and all that. Now, just like this gentleman did, he he had to make the first move. And now it's so much tougher because everybody's got their earbuds in and 
And at where New Yorkers, like, you know, whenever you approach somebody and it's a special place for that, you know, the first thing people, a lot of times they look at you like, okay, is this a crazy person or can I talk to them? You have to get through the, are you crazy or not? Right. Which is a sad state of affairs, but that's just the way it is. That's just to get your foot in the door with something that's flattering, that's genuine, and you have your sense of confidence that you're projecting about this. Well. And when you say flattering, you mean like positive. It's not like, oh, you're so hot. You know, yeah, that, that gets you nowhere because a lot of it, women hear that and they're like, yeah, and, come on, can't you do better than that? But, <laughs> so you mean like be, be positive and be authentic. So what, yeah. what's uh, number two, Daniel? OK. And, and number two um, would be that women are not. And again, we're speaking generally here. Women are not attracted to or roused by nice guys. Ouch. now there are three different types of men uh that i categorize the first one obviously is the nice guy the second type of guy is the bad boy which everyone tends to know about and the third type of guy is the good guy the bad boy Uh, okay (laughs) the bad boy is someone who basically breaks all the rules he doesn't care about anything you know he does what he wants he doesn't care about people's feelings. He doesn't care about the woman that he he's with, uh, her well-being, things of that nature. He basically cares about himself, right? Okay. And a lot of women, uh, again, and I just want to preference this by saying a lot of women tend to go for the this type of man early on in their dating years, so in their party years, essentially. Right. So, um. Just going back to that 20 to about 25. Breaking the rules. Like that's like, uh, you know, being rebellious. And then they realize like, okay, this guy's not treating me uh, the way I need to be treated. So now give me, give us uh, the uh, difference, the bad, the good guy and the nice guy. What's the difference? Right. So uh, Mm -hmm. then you have uh, the, the good guy who cares about the woman who treats her right, but he has an aura about himself that kind of mimics the bad boy that she finds attractive. And the reason why it mimics that way and and she finds him attractive in that way is basically because he has a sense of dominance and he's masculine. Mm -hmm. Right? So the nice guy is the opposite of that in most cases. So with the nice guy, he tends to be overbearing. He tends to be... um, too needy. He tends to have lowest self-esteem. I'm talking uh, the uh, the nice guy, generally speaking. He tends to have low self-esteem. He uh, he does nice things and hopes that the woman will be attracted to him. Invariably, what I found, and I, I, I would agree with you on your characterization, uh, you know, when I talk to dating experts, they say, you know, the women that we work with to a person, they want men to be men in the best sense of the word. So mm-hmm. I think what you described as the good guy yeah. um, will will always win. So, right. okay, what is the number one issue that uh, people come to you with? And is it usually guys who come to you or women who come to you? Uh, the majority of my clients are women. Uh, so they are the ones who come to me with their relationship challenges and, and problems. But the... Uh, what I've been hearing a lot lately, and this is not only from the women, but a lot of the guys, is the fact that the sex 
is no longer, is not the way it once was. And in a lot of cases, the reason why the sex is not where it should be is because something changed along the way. So when a lot of women tend to um, settle down, they move out of their bad boy phase and they get with uh, essentially the nice guy in that way because they're all looking for the good men, right? We are all the good men. Mm-hmm. They look, they they settle down for the nice guy. This is typically not the type of guy that they prefer, that they they sexually. want to choose. So mm-hmm. sexually, so they want not a bad boy in bed to, and the right, good guy right. in the world and the, the nice guy when they want to get their own way. I guess so. It's right. really so women. So basically, what you're saying right. is it's complicated. So what's a what's a guy's guy? What's a guy to do, Daniel? How do how what's do men how, how do men how do men deal with this? Well, you have to have strong boundaries and uh, standards right off the bat. Um, and, and this goes for the men out there. For the women, uh, they will have to, for the women listeners, you would basically have to evaluate the type of rules that you have. Because uh, there are some women who believe in the 90-day rule, for example, right? Three days, and, uh, whatever. Right. You have to wait three dates or uh, whatever the case may be. Here's the thing. Women will make rules for the nice guys. And this is something that I learned from a mentor. Women will make rules for the nice guys, but they break rules for the guys they are attracted to. Right. Right. That's hilarious. (laughs) So things, you know, as you describe it, and I would agree with you, things have not really changed. The issues are pretty much the same issues that have been around for the last 50 years. It's just the the context uh, and the environment is different. So um, what would be your number one tip to uh, to guys to succeed in this current environment. All right. Well, the first one, and this is something that I've uh, basically been speaking on uh, this entire time, is for you to project that sense of um, self worth, dominance, self worth, high self esteem, mm-hmm. uh, confidence, character, strong character, things of that nature, and that's what comes along with being a good guy. Mm-hmm. And um, that's that's uh you know when you say that you mean also uh respect for the woman also right right respect for the woman um the respect has to be basically on both ends right so sure. it's, it's very important for you to respect the woman uh just as you would uh expect to have respect from her as well okay the thing is is again for those women uh and again for the women listeners you have to evaluate the type of guys that you end up with and you really have to check uh basically what it is that you truly want because sometimes your type could be the reason why you're single got it okay so our guest uh Daniel Amos the uh the uh relationship uh trainer yes Personal relationship trainer. Personal personal Uh relationship trainer. Fantastic. So how can everybody get in touch with you, Daniel? Okay. So if you'd like to reach me, you can simply send me an email at at danielamis.com. That's Daniel at D-A-N-I-E-L-A-M-I-S as in Sam dot com. Mm -hmm. And uh, what we'll do is we'll set up a 30-minute clarity session. We'll go over what you're dealing with in your relationships, your problems. And we'll see if uh, we're a good fit to work together. If not, then maybe I can be a resource for you. Great. Fantastic. Well, listen, great speaking with you again. Thank you, Daniel Amos, for being a guy's guy and for doing the good work you're doing. Keep (laughs) keep it up, buddy. Appreciate it. Thank you, Robert. 
All right, we're here on Guys Guys Radio. Very interesting show with a couple of guys this week, Dr. Gary Sowler and Daniel Amos. Two very different individuals, different insights, I think both helpful. What did we learn? Well, from uh, Dr. Sowler, we learned that uh, it is possible to rewire your brain so you could be available for love. So often it's found that people have so much trouble coming back out into the marketplace after they've been uh, burned in a relationship. But you've got to hang in there. You've got to believe in yourself. You've got to forgive yourself. You've got to forgive other people and not take judgment or judge others to have a good shot at finding a new relationship. As I had mentioned, when my real-life relationship happened was after I made room in my heart to allow somebody else in there. And if you don't do that and you're going to stay all closed up, it's going to be really difficult. But you can rewire your thinking. You can kind of open your heart in a way that uh, is, makes you vulnerable, but you can still protect yourself. But you've got to live. You've got to live, and living is all about loving. In terms of Daniel, I think his main message was we've got to respect women, and we've got to treat them as equals, and we've got to pay attention and listen and really try to be a, a good example of a guy to, to women to really succeed and set an example for other guys. So anyhow, great show. I'm very thrilled with our guests. Um, guys, Guys Radio, as always, we are on KCAA in Southern California uh, every Wednesday evening, 8 p.m. Pacific Time. Um, we're also on Sunday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, Sunday afternoon, 102.3, 106.5 FM and 10.50 AM. You can find the show on uh, iTunes uh, slash Apple Podcasts, as it's now called, Spotify, iHeartRadio nationwide, Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Blog Talk Radio. You can stream it also on kcaa.com, robertmanny.com, my website, where my blog, there's over 350 blog posts there on everything that has to do with life, love, and the pursuit of happiness. Everything started with the source material in my book. It's a novel called The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love. It's about two guys in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money. It's been called The Male Successor to Sex in the City. It's a lot of fun. I hope you enjoy it. If you check it out, you can download three free chapters from my website if you want to get a little taste. Um, you want to support the show? We're doing it all ourselves here. If you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes... Uh, that's that's always a big help. So anyhow, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you learned as much as I did from this show and other shows, and I hope you'll join us again next week. This is Robert Manny, as I always like to say, guys, guys, finish first. <laughs>